Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. I read a book this week that I could have written. It's called A Divided Union, Structural Challenges to Bipartisanship in America. See who this sounds like. Quote, partisanship bleeds out of our radios, televisions, family dinners, football stadiums, sneaker stores, churches, schools, smartphones, music concerts, and street corners. It is now as much a part of our identity as religion or astrological signs. Well, this Pisces agrees with former members of Congress Patrick Murphy, who I refer to as both of whom join me now. Gentlemen, thank you so much for writing the book and for being here. Hey, good to be with you. Patrick Murphy, you overlapped with the other Democrat Patrick Murphy, true? Not quite, but we are buddies, and we do get confused a lot. Okay, so there was never a moment where it was uh, Murphy, Patrick, the one from Florida, not from Pennsylvania? (laughs) 
never that. There were other Murphys in Congress and, of course, Chris Murphy in the Senate. So we've kept the Murphy sure. name going, but <laughs> we didn't overlap. Okay, I have to ask the, the difficult question up front. By the way, Seth, help me with feedback on somebody's line if, if you can. Why is there always a come-to-Jesus moment when you're gone? You know, I think That's a question for either of you. I think, I think people finally get the political there courage you go. Yeah. Once, once they're gone, because they're no longer running for office. And the, the structural problems that we point out in the book, and we can you know, pick them off, and each one of them would explain that question. Uh, the gerrymandering, you know, start with that. You know, 90% of congressional districts are predetermined. They will be Republican or they will be Democratic because of the way that lines are drawn. So the only election that matters then is the primary. Right. And how do you win a primary? You appeal to about 15 percent of the voters. Therefore, 15 percent of our country is determining 90 percent of the members of Congress. So if you want to win in a Republican or a Democratic seat that's been carved up in, in, in such a partisan way, appeal to that 15 percent. Say what they want to hear. You get elected. And then however long your careers, you better keep appealing to them or you'll be primary and you will lose. And I'm sure, you know, David has plenty of stories, I know I do, uh, from colleagues uh, that we're friends with that took votes and admitted uh, in confidence that it was against what they believed, but they had to do it to win their election. And that there's the the core problem. So, Congressman Jolly, let me put this to you. I I had an interesting exchange about nine, before the pandemic hit, before the pandemic, so maybe it was 11 months ago, where I came off CNN at nine o'clock one night and you know you both know how it is in all the different studios there are flat screens that show all the competition it's like macy's and gimbals always keeping an eye on one another and i knew that opposite me as a guest that night on fox had been one of your uh, former colleagues i will not name him i'll just describe him as a firebrand from your home state I look down at my phone and he texts me and he says, hey, you know, I just saw you on, on that channel. I'm on. The, why don't we have a beer? And we did. And what I most remember this gentleman telling me that night was how everybody who gets to that town, all they want to do is stay. And that was his explanation as to why the behavior has gotten so bad. David Jolly, was he, you know, I'm sure you don't agree with the, the fella I'm thinking of on a lot of issues. Sure. But was he right on that? Yeah, and you hit on exactly really the motivation for this book, which is that the incentive structure to keep your job and to advance your career is out of line with ultimately the goals of our democracy as viewed by our founders. And, Michael, this is true in any walk of life, right? If you are a tradesperson or a doctor, a lawyer, whatever line of work, you do the things that allow you to advance your career. That's no different for politicians. You know, we like to think of every politician having a servant's heart. That's simply not true. We're human beings and people respond to the incentive structure. So in this very passionate era we're living in, what Patrick and I have done with leading scholars from around the country is write very dispassionately about how perverted the incentive structure is. As Patrick mentioned, you're responding to Jerry, supermajority gerrymandered districts, to closed primaries, to a campaign finance system, to a media environment that all rewards hyperpartisanship. Michael, it rewards the fight. It doesn't reward the solution. Truly, the best fighters, even if they solve nothing in Washington, get rewarded. And, and I would lastly just add on what Patrick said about how primaries work. 
consider the events of the Capitol one week ago. What was the threat to members of Congress that Donald Trump and his family, particularly Eric, issued on Fox News? It was that they would primary Republicans. And the reason primarying is such a powerful tool is because most Republicans and Democrats across the country have to run in closed partisan primaries where there is no benefit, no electoral incentive to appealing to a broader, more independent, diverse constituency. And of course, the individuals who have a stranglehold on the primary process are not party elders as they've as they've been in years gone by. They are largely men with microphones who are the the, the titular heads, at least of the, the GOP these days. There's a whole chapter in your book, and I should explain the, the, the construct of this. These two members, former members of Congress, both from Florida, at one time, by the way, briefly opposed one another. Patrick Murphy, a D, David Jolly, an R, have gotten together and and have written a book. But really, it's a book of, of scholarly contributions that they then offer their comments to in making the case as to how we've become a divided union and what it will take to get us out of this morass. The two of you wouldn't know unless you were listening, but it's so great that you're here today. I had a caller who called, and trust me, the sort of things you identify in the book is my mantra. This is what they get from me every day here. And a caller called yesterday, and he said to me, you're always telling us the problem, but you're never offering the solution. And and after I spend a couple of minutes with Patrick Murphy and David Jolly explaining the problem so that you hear it from them, not just me, another blowhard with a microphone, we will talk about solutions. What I wanted to say, Patrick Murphy, is I was thrilled that there was an entire chapter in the book about the media role in all of this. Will you amplify some of what you said in the book about that? Uh, I will. And this is, quite frankly, the, the toughest problem to address. Uh, the money, you know, could be fetched with uh, Citizens United and some other rules. The gerrymandering could be addressed. You know, a lot of these things could be tweaked. The media is a tough one, and it's been, you know, bad for years. And you look at just the last, you know, 10 years, what's happened in between Fox and MSNBC and CNN and how that has become really just two, uh, you know, completely different stories of, of what's being, you know, talked about and really two different sets of facts. But now beyond that, social media and what's happened and these chat rooms, and these groups, and the targeting uh, that is being done. Uh, campaigns nowadays are going through a congressional district or a Senate you know, uh, race or, or even a presidential, and they are targeting groups of people uh, in, in such a specific manner because all of our information now can be tracked by you know, these algorithms and, and these social media platforms. So uh, what's happening is these algorithms are being created to put people down these rabbit holes and make them believe things uh, that aren't true, quite frankly. We've seen that, you know, you know, in a perfect example in an unfortunate way uh, in the last week's events. Uh, this is a problem that uh, is so bad. And, and you know, I actually have an interesting story. One of my last memories being in public service was with President Obama. We were in, uh, in Jacksonville doing a, an event in my Senate race right before the election. And we had an opportunity in, in, in the Beast, uh, about 45-minute drive, and we're talking. And President Obama identified at the time that the media, that this polarization and social media is the single biggest problem that's got to get fixed. And I don't have a perfect answer for it because it is very complicated to truly fix it. 
Congressman Jolly, in the book, you say my time in politics provided a few takeaways regarding how to approach the study of the media's handling of political issues as a baseline matter. Consider whether the platform is engaged in news reporting or editorializing. Explain. Yeah, look, so this is a book that will be used in college classrooms. And I think for many in the industry, Michael, you immediately can see the line between opinion journalism and news reporting. I'm not sure that's the case for consumers of media now at large, particularly new generation consumers whose information is coming from any type of websites. And, you know, I think 30 years ago, it was clear in your daily paper where the editorial section was, where the news section was. And if there was any subjectivity to it, Uh, It was perhaps around what I call lazy reporting, right? There's a bell curve in any industry, including including the press. But today we've blurred the lines between opinion journalism and news reporting. And that is true of the major cable news networks. We know that, right? We know that between the three networks. And to just get straight news is fairly – it's difficult to find these days. And so the book kind of tries to make sure we're bringing a new generation along, students in a classroom, to understand, look, news is news. Facts are facts, and opinions are opinions. And it's fine to study all three and to choose which opinions you might subscribe to. But when it comes to news and facts, let's keep the truth the truth. Gerrymandering gets a lot of attention. Self-sorting, not so much. I was really happy that in the, the chapter on the geography of polarization, Patrick Murphy, there was a, a reference to Bill Bishop's The Big Sort. Which, which I've described to my audience previously as standing for the premise that uh, post-Vietnam, post-60s, we all kind of went our separate ways. And when we reengaged as a society in the age of the Internet, now we were more easily able to associate with the like-minded. And there's something going on out there now where not only are we finding one another electronically, we are choosing to live among the like-minded. Will you talk about the geographic part of polarization? Yes, uh, Michael, you sum it up well. Uh, I, I realized it firsthand in my first congressional race uh, when I you know, personally was identifying uh, as, as being fiscally responsible and, and socially progressive. And in a certain you know, group of people, everyone said, yes, that's perfect. I want to support you. Maybe that was a Republican, maybe it was a Democrat, but they all said, that's what I am. And I was convinced for months that that's what the whole country must be, right? This is an easy platform. And as I started running for Congress and as I started you know, traveling my congressional district in, in sort of East Coast uh, of Florida, Palm Beach, Treasure Coast area, get a half hour away from my house. The next thing you know, I'm in a more of a, say, an agricultural area. And maybe there's some Confederate flags there. And I start talking to people about my platform and asking for the, their opinions and views and, and realize that I couldn't be further from the truth and they couldn't disagree with me more on probably every single issue. But they were as convinced as I was that that's the whole world, that that's the, their, their views. And as I went from community to community within my district and then running statewide around the state, found this to be true, uh, that people are living and, and able to move so easily now that they are surrounding themselves with folks with similar views and beliefs to themselves. So it's not as simple as just blaming the politicians for carving out these uh, gerrymandered districts. We're doing it to ourselves in many ways. And, and like you said, Michael, it's not just where we live physically. It's now who we're following, who we're friends with on social media, who our kids are friends with, the schools we put them in, uh, how they associate all ends up being 
quite frankly, a very similar network because that's easier just via human nature to be with friends that think similarly. Charles Murray wrote a book called Coming Apart a couple of years ago before the rise of Trump. It's the book that I read and interviewed him on and it caused me to kick myself for not seeing the the Trump train coming. But one of the things that he pointed out, and I think it speaks to the geographic uh, issue, David Jolly, is that we don't have common experiences you know, my father was very proud of his Korean sure. War ser- service. He, he spent his time in Germany. He was never in Korea. But it was because of the, the great equalizer of everybody having the same haircut, wearing the same clothes, getting the same <laughs> rations. Like, everybody was an equal. And he thought that that benefited him for the rest of his life. Yeah, you know, Michael, I, I don't worry too much about some of this natural geographic separation because in, in large part, it gives voices to some of the competing cultural influences that allow us to make better decisions in Washington, right? A more diverse constituency having a voice. <clears throat> but I want to I wanna step back a little bit and say the math problem with gerrymandering is not that hard. First, um, voters at the state level in states across the country have been pushing gerrymandering reform in states where voters can push constitutional amendments, and some have done it very successfully. But right now, as Patrick said at the start, about 90 percent of congressional seats are gerrymandered for one party or the other. You, the, the one member could retire. They're going to be replaced by a member of the same party. If you truly had gerrymandering reform across the country, you could get north of 300 seats that would become electorally competitive every two years, that R's and D's, incumbent or not, would have to fight to keep their seat. Now, in some places, they wouldn't be competitive, right? There's a seat in deep red Texas where Republicans are favored by over 40 points. It's true, I believe, in the Bronx as well, there's a seat that favors Democrats by about 40 points. There's no reason to manipulate that natural geographic separation as part of the strength of the country. But through simple gerrymandering reform, we could transform Congress tomorrow and give voters back the tools of accountability. What underlies all of this, our frustration in politics, is that we feel like we can't hold our politicians accountable. And that feeling's real because they're insulated by the structural protections that the two major parties have put in place. And that's the, that's the point of this book, to reverse engineer this incentive structure and to say to voters and to readers, if you really want to change things, it's not as simple as just voting every other November because you don't have the power of the vote that you think you do until we unwind these, the, this rigged democracy we're living within, within these structural protections of our incumbents. I recognize that the book is written primarily for a collegiate student audience, but I want everybody listening to us to know that the information is in my Twitter feed right now, and I hope that it will be of interest as well to everybody listening. It's called A Divided Union. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. 
Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive. Then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Patrick Murphy, you uh, famously defeated Alan West in 2012 in what was, correct me if I'm wrong, then the most expensive congressional, it's probably been surpassed since then, but am I right in thinking that more money was spent in that election than any congressional race previous? You're, you're right, it was around $30 million, and had I known it was going to be that, I probably never would have done it. <laughs> I think so John also beat our record. There, there is a, uh, there's a chapter in the book about money, and, and I, I think the audience needs to hear how much how much of a member of Congress's time is taken up fundraising? It, it, it's a key problem that, that we identify. And on average, I would say most members of Congress are spending somewhere between 30 to 40 hours a week fundraising. And it might not be just direct uh, you know, fundraising, but the events you're going to, the travel you're doing to fundraise, the phone calls that you're on. I made the joke, Michael, that I felt like a telemarketer with a cool title. You know, in between votes, you're racing to a call room. 
to go sit there with a stack of call sheets and call people all over the country, tell them your quick elevator pitch in 30 seconds, and then ask them for a check and then their credit card number. It's a disgusting system we have. Republicans and Democrats do it alike. And when you're not doing that, you're traveling to New York City or Silicon Valley or L.A. or whatever city, and you're doing events and you're asking people to host you. And you know, the money is one thing, whether that corrupts people or not, is you know a sort of a separate discussion in my mind. The time that is spent doing that is a distraction from the core problem because members of Congress aren't sitting in committee rooms when you have you know, Janet Yellen, or, you, know, you have a, a cabinet member there testifying before you. Or you know, when I was on the Intelligence Committee with some you know, very serious folks coming in talking about some, some serious threats to our country, the members of Congress are getting pulled out by their staffs to go do fundraising or go do some big event. It's a distraction from the core job. And so... You know, we were tried to be careful in this book not to, you know, sort of prescribe solutions, but we offered some ideas for people to think about and students to think about. And one of the ideas that, that I identified in this chapter was limiting the amount of time that members of Congress can fundraise. Go back, say, 10 weeks, 12 weeks from Election Day, and that's it. You get a couple months to fundraise. The rest of your time, 90% of your time, you're doing your job. You're meeting people on the other side of the aisle. You're learning the issues. You're sitting in committee, and you're doing what people ask you to do, and that's why they voted for you, not sit on the phone and beg for money. I like it. It's something concrete. David Jolly, Congressman Jolly, give me something else that can be done to fix this. Well, right now we're seeing it done by voters, and and this is the important thing. So in probably 30-plus states, voters have the ability to change their state laws or their state constitutions. And understand, when it comes to gerrymandering, when it comes to primaries, that is controlled by state law. And, Michael, we have seen in the past, we're, we're living in this era of democracy reform, and it's very neat to see. Think about ranked choice voting that's been installed in the state of Maine. In Florida, voters said, we want geographically compact districts. It's why I'm no longer in office, because I got redistricted. We're seeing a top two primary system in states like California. In Arizona, voters chose to go to an independent redistricting commission to take the politicians out of drawing the lines. So I would say, you know, at one point I said in this very passionate era, Patrick and I are talking about dispassionate ideas, and that's kind of true, right? These are process-oriented ideas. But I promise you, when we say that every November it's the most important vote in your lifetime, consider how limited your vote really is if most of the candidates' destiny is already preordained because of the rules that have been set. We're talking about changing the rules to restore power to the voters and to create a level playing field that makes every candidate compete through a contest of ideas, not through a contest of money, not through a contest of a rigged system, but through what was originally ordained in our republic as what was to be a contest of ideas and merits of the candidates. Congressman Murphy, there's a chapter in the book on relationships or the lack of relationships. The picture that becomes clear is that you're spending so much time raising money, you're not having a cocktail with one another, that nobody is moving to town with their spouse, putting the kids in in schools in the D.C. area. Instead, in your case, I'm sure, just hustling back to Florida as quickly as you can get out of Dodge. How do we strengthen the relationships between members of Congress, especially those from the other side of the aisle? Well, there's a, there's a great quote that I never would have understood till I got to Congress from uh, Representative Sam Gibbons. Uh, he said that the jet engine killed democracy. And I never would have understood that. But until it became feasible for members of Congress, senators, to fly back and forth every single weekend 
was it expected by their voters that they were home, right? The old, uh, you know, saying that you've become, you know, sort of out of touch and you're in the, you know, with the fancy D.C. and the Beltway and you, you forgot who your voters are. Uh, I spent one weekend in D.C. in four years, you know, being elected, and that was the government shutdown in, I think, October of 2013. That was the only weekend I spent there. I was basically forced to come home every way. Now, I mean, in a bad way. I like being home, but, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, that wasn't expected. So members of Congress would go to dinner at night, and the spouses would, would, would host each other, and the kids would play football, and they'd smoke a cigar, whatever they did socially. But it didn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. You were friends. And if you've got dinner at, 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 at a colleague's home that's on the other side of the aisle, you're probably not going to go on CNN that night and call them a communist or something, right? You're, you're going to probably tone that down a little bit. And the temperature has gotten so hot because there are no more relationships. And what's worse, in my opinion, is it's not just between Republicans and Democrats anymore. It's even within the caucuses, right? The, the, the progressive arm of the Democratic Party um, might not get along with the moderates so well. And the same thing could be said for, for Republicans. So it's intra-party now separation uh, that, that is continuing to divide us. And then you add in social media and how easy it is uh, to attack people and not to have that face-to-face contact and get your thousands of followers to you know, perhaps go against somebody. Um, it's a dangerous territory we're in, and it's become a game for a lot of members of Congress. Congressman Jolly, one of my favorite stories about the the 80s was that when Tip O'Neill was Speaker of the House and had a cordial relationship with Ronald Reagan, when Tip celebrated his 69th birthday, Reagan hosted him at the White House and he proposed an old Irish toast that goes something like this. He said, Tip, if I had a ticket to heaven and you didn't have one, too, I'd throw mine away and go to hell with you. Of course, it brought the house down. But, you know, the the idea, the idea of a House speaker being entertained by the I mean, you know, Boehner and Obama. I remember when Obama told that joke of the White House correspondence uh, uh, meeting or, or party when he said people are always telling me, you know, you ought to have a drink with John Boehner. And, and, and his deadpan line was to say, you go have a drink with John Boehner. Uh, which I thought was really funny. Will you say something that Patrick was just addressing about the lack of collegiality? Oh, certainly. And and look, it does go to the schedule. It goes to the demands for members to pay attention to their partisan base and to uh, their fundraising concerns. But, you know, I think what we're talking about, Michael, is a product of the last 20 to 30 years of the emergence of big data, of new media, and the tools of partisanship that that have uh, insulated members of Congress. And so what I would suggest is, is we should expect more of our members of Congress to try to beat this, this trend back themselves, despite the current system. Look, Patrick and I were not friends before we got into Congress. Uh, we became friends because we decided to work on common issues together. And then we, we, for a year notionally, ended up running against each other for the United States Senate when Marco Rubio was running for president before he got back in. But what we decided to do was to work together to fix this uh, and, and uh, look, to expose ourselves to the risk among our constituencies of doing so. Members of Congress and all elected officials have a hard, a hard decision to make. It shouldn't seem so hard, but you're either going to be a follower or a leader. And I think for Patrick and I, we decided we're not going to waste our time in public office while we hold the public trust 
just following along, doing the things to get reelected. We were going to try to lead us towards a better democracy and lead us toward a place of reform. It's Our work has culminated in this book, and it's why we appreciate the opportunity to talk about it this morning. Uh, listen, I really appreciate you being here. I'm going to keep this on my desktop here because of all the citations in it. I can now back up with data and with <laughs> academic research the things that have intuitively told me were so screwed up in D.C. So I, I thank you both. Thank you for being gracious with your time. And I really appreciate your having been here. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having us. That's Patrick Murphy and David Jolly, two Floridians former members of Congress from different parties who have written a book, A Divided Union, Structural Challenges to Bipartisanship in America. And the way that it's set up is that every subject is gets a different chapter. They offer their informal and, and very conversational comments. And then here comes the academic research to back up what they're I mean, telling Michael, you. They are you. You are them. I mean, that's I, I'm I'm sort of sitting here gobsmacked because this is exactly what you've been saying. Every single point they ran through Truly. were things that you have been saying. Almost ad nauseum. Yes, it's incredible. Except that I'm just three kindred yeah, spirits. Except I'm a guy with a microphone well, who's you, been involved in the process, but I'm on the sidelines. They've lived it. They've been there. Right. And they're telling you this is where it is. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.